Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Uh, Mitch and Michaela have been on potential elders training now for almost three years in elder candidacy. And uh, next year, we are going to affirm uh, Mitch on eldership. We'll, we'll see you after today. We'll, we'll... <laughs> so today is it. As you... As you leave, you put a black marble or a white marble. We'll count up the marbles and see if we're going to affirm him. No, we're not. We're not. Uh, here's a gift to us, and uh, I want to pray and then let him loose. Father, thank you for this man. Uh, thank you for the preparation that he has put in. Um, but we both want to thank you for the power of your word. We want to thank you that, um, that it is sharp, that it divides that it separates. We want to thank you that your spirit is the one that leads us into all truth as we listen to your word. And I want to thank you that the impact of your word does not depend on Mitch. The impact of your word depends on the spirit opening our hearts and ears to be responsive. And so I want to pray for him this morning. I want to pray for just a fresh anointing of the spirit of God. I want to pray that uh, there would be a grace, and I want to pray that he'd be faithful to the preaching and teaching of your powerful word. Uh, we want to be changed. We want to be led by you. Lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Good morning, everyone. As Nick said, my name is Mitch Buchanan, and I'm one of the deacons here. And um, most of you know that Speaking is not my favorite thing to do, just generally. And uh, this is going to be the longest consecutive amount of time that I've spoken in front of people. And right now my current record is around four minutes. So if, if I hit minute five and I just pass out, Stephen's gonna turn the lights off, everyone can just like evacuate and we'll be good to go. But in all seriousness, I am excited, even though you can't tell on my face, I am excited to speak with all of you this morning. And I'm excited to continue our series um, on Hebrews, Better. And so let me open us in prayer, and then we'll get to it. Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we have the privilege to meet together in community and just be reminded of this season of thankfulness and gratefulness. We are so grateful for all the things that you do and for the ways that you move in our lives. And I pray that this morning we would be empowered um, to step into the things that you call us to. I pray this in your name. Amen. So I, like, I love the idea of a cheat meal, um, and usually I, I do a cheat meal on Friday. I don't call it a cheat meal because I, I just don't like to call it that. I call it a reward. And basically that's because Monday through Friday afternoon, I focus really hard on like trying to eat healthy, keeping my portion small. Neil probably loves all this. Um, and just making sure that I'm sticking to a strict diet so that by the end of the week I earn my reward of um, my cheat meal, which usually I'll just give you a picture of what it looks like. It's just a couple things. I, me and Michaela make a tray of nachos in the oven, so we'll start with that, and we each, well, I'll eat like three quarters, and then Michaela will eat the other quarter. Um, and then after I finish the nachos, I just need like a sweet snack, so double stuffed Oreos are my usual like after dinner snack. And then I gotta do dessert with Ben and Jerry's. There's a lot of different good Ben and Jerry's. Give me s'mores, my favorite one, but. 
that's my main reward. And then before I go to bed, depending on how I'm feeling, I might like go back for a little bit more nachos or I'll just go to bed. <laughs> but the only way that I can feel like I can earn that reward at the end of the week is because I try and stick to that diet. I'm trying to work towards that and then get that reward at the end of it. And I think that's an easy way for me to look at a lot of things in my life because we're, we're kind of raised that way from early on. We're, when we're kids, we have rules or expectations that are given to us, and if we follow those things, then we might earn a toy or a dessert or a reward or good favor with our parents or our teachers. And that continues into our life as adults. We get a job and we try and do a good job, and we try to um, look good in our boss's eyes so that we can earn money and earn the things that we want to buy or provide for ourselves. And since we often kind of look at things that way through a, lot of our, through a lot of our life, that can often bleed into the way we view our relationship with God. We might, we might be stuck in sin and feel like, okay, um, my sin's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to prove my way back into good favor with God and do these things and show him that I am a good person. Or we might tend towards the other side where if I follow all these rules and expectations and don't mess up, then like, God will love me. And neither of those things are true, and we just have the tendency to diminish our sin and diminish God's holiness and try to prove or earn our way back into good favor with him. So how do we address this tendency to diminish the seriousness of our sin by attempting to earn our way into eternity or good favor with God? As we constantly attempt to try and prove, earn, or save ourselves, Hebrews 9, 15 through 28, that we're going to read this morning, shows us that our sin is serious and requires death and blood, but we have access to Jesus, the better sacrifice. We can't prove anything or earn th anything. Jesus is that substitute, and he is that thing um, that gets us into good favor with God. So I want to jump into Hebrews 9, 15 through 28, but before I do that, I'm going to recap a little bit of what Jason talked about last week. Um, and he spoke out of Hebrews 9, 1 through 14. And thankfully, a lot of what Jason talked about last week is what I'm going to talk about today. So I have... I just like copied and pasted all his notes in here. <laughs> so it makes it really easy for me. But um, Jason talked about in Hebrews 9, 1 through 14, there's the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant talks about um, there being a special place where God dwelled, which was in the tabernacle. There was a specific person, the high priest, who was able to enter into that presence. And then there was the sacrificial purification that the high priest did in order to atone for his sins and the sins of the community of Israelites. And then Jason talked about how in the new covenant, Jesus fulfilled those things. Jesus was able to enter into the special place, um, into the presence of God. He was that specific person that was the better high priest. And then he was that sac sacrificial purification for us. So let's read Hebrews 9, 15 through 28. And this is a long one, guys. I apologize, but um, it's the Bible, so it's good. <laughs> and this is from NIV. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle 
and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary, then, for the copies of heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with even better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So this morning, we're going to look at some of those things that Jason talked about, and we're going to focus a little bit more on the sacrificial purification aspect. So though we tend to try and save ourselves, like I talked about, Hebrews 9 states that through Christ's blood, we are offered freedom from sin's power over us and freedom from needing to earn our salvation from eternal judgment. And so we're going to take a very similar framework that Jason talked about. We're going to talk about the Old Covenant and what was used in the Old Covenant, how Jesus fulfilled that in the New Covenant, and then what we have access to as a result of that. Um, you guys may or may not know this about me, but I love skateboarding, and I like to ride on skateboards. And when I think of this Old Covenant, New Covenant, what we have access to, I think of kind of like the history of skateboarding. So I have a slide. This is skateboarding in the 60s. This is the Old Covenant. It was super, <laughs> super basic, very fundamental. I mean, they're just riding on the street. That's all they're doing. And that's like very different from what what we know today. It's basic, it's foundational, it's fundamental. And skateboarding at this time was very limited and constrained. And it was so limited um, that it actually like died out and there was no more companies making skateboards. Kids weren't skateboarding anymore. The market was totally done. Thankfully though, the new covenant was coming. <laughs> and though skateboarding had kind of died out, there were kids that were making their own skateboards out of their dressers and using roller skates and making their own skateboards. And they were bringing this, they were using the fundamental and foundational elements of the old covenant of skateboarding, but they were taking it into a new place. And this is Tony Alba, who I say is the Jesus of skateboarding. <laughs> he, um, like in the, in the previous picture you saw, the kids were just riding down the asphalt on the skateboard. Skateboarding got to a point because of these kids bringing in new life and bringing it to a, a new, whole new, like just going past the boundaries of what was before. He's flying out of a pool on a skateboard and coming back in. I know that doesn't seem like that big of a deal nowadays, but it is a really big deal, um, to me at least. So this was the new covenant. These kids kind of fulfilled what skateboarding was in the 60s and they took it to a whole new place and busted through those boundaries of what the old covenant was. And now, what do we have access to because of Tony Alva? <laughs> Now, we have, skateboarding is, like you look at that picture in the 60s, skateboarding nowadays is totally different. It's, people do the craziest stuff. I can't even like, I can barely walk up these stairs. <laughs> He's grinding down them. This guy's doing a flip trick. Tony Hawk, who everyone knows who Tony Hawk is, probably. He's going upside down in a loop on a skateboard. And then, this last summer, skateboarding was in the Olympics. So, the availability and access of skateboarding has gone 
to everyone. Everyone knows what skateboarding is, everybody knows who Tony Hawk is, and it's in commercials, it's in movies, it's everywhere. So that's how I want us to look at the Old Covenant, <laughs> New Covenant, and what we have access to. Old Covenant is the foundational, fundamental elements that were established by God through the Israelites. The New Covenant was Jesus taking those things and fulfilling them and going beyond those and then giving us access to our Father in eternity. So we're going to start portion of verses, um, basically verses 15 through 22, and we're going to kind of re recap the Old Covenant and what that looks like and what was needed um, as a result of the Old Covenant. So the Old Covenant, in very basic terms, was God gave Moses and the Israelites a set of rules or the law, and if they followed those things, then God would bless them, and he would make them a holy nation, and if they did not follow those things, then there would be a consequence of death and there would be punishment. And ultimately, the Old Covenant was a way to show that the Israelites were sinful, and their sin was serious, and God was holy, and that there was a separation because of the Israelites' sin. So we're going to look, um, well, so that basically brings us to the need for death and blood. The Israelites' sin was very serious, and sin is so serious that it requires death. And then God was so holy that there was a separation between the Israelites' and God because of that holiness and because of sin. And in order for the Israelites to be in good favor with God, there needed to be a sacrifice. But let me read a little bit um, about the holiness of God to give us a better picture of what that looks like. Lynch describes holiness like this. The prophet Isaiah declared, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It is the only description of God repeated in the threefold formula, a literary device to bring great emphasis. God is not just a little bit holy, God is really, really, really holy. This served to remind Israel in the original context and us at present that God's holiness is a matter of enormous spiritual significance. It also serves as a warning that we humans are not holy. Um, holiness is a central marker of the fundamental divide between God and the sinful human creature. Thank you. Okay. So the Old Covenant shows us Israelites were sinful and God is holy and there was a need for death because of the consequence of the Israelites' sin in order to be in good favor with God or be able to enter into his presence. And God provided a way for the Israelites to um, be in good favor with him through sacrifices. And the main or sacrifices were animal sacrifice. So an animal would be killed in place of the Israelites because that's what they deserve, but the animal was killed in substitution or representation of that. And then blood was spilled as a symbol of life coming out of that animal and being spared for the Israelites, despite deserving death. So I want to go a little more in depth of what the actual sacrifice looked like, and Jason did a good job of highlighting this last week, and I'm gonna do it again, because it's fun to talk about death and blood. <laughs> So based on some of the things that I read, um, in the Day of Atonement, the high priest would have a bull and two goats, and he would start by, <laughs> picture this in your head, because I think we read over this and we're like, oh, yeah, there's blood, but this is kind of crazy. They would slit the bull's throat and drain the blood into a basin or a bowl, so blood coming out of a bull's throat, catching into a basin. The pr high priest would 
dip his fingers in it, and go into the tabernacle and, and um, sprinkle seven times up and down. Then he would come back out, and he would kill the goat, slit its throat, drain the blood of the goat into a basin, and there's still the basin of blood, uh, bull blood over here too. And then he would go in, sprinkle seven times up and down after he put his fingers in the blood. Then he would mix the bull blood and the goat blood and dip his fingers in it and go back in and do that again. So there's a, dead animals everywhere. The priest is covered in blood. He's dipping his fingers in blood. He's sprinkling blood all over the tabernacle and all over the altar. And there's blood everywhere. But the main purpose of this was to show how serious sin was and that sin deserved death. So these animals were killed in our place and blood was sprinkled everywhere so that um, the Israelites could be in good favor with God. Kruger summarizes this portion of verses by saying, when we diminish either the seriousness of sin or the holiness of God in order to make people feel better, we end up diminishing what Christ has done for us. If sin were not a big deal or God were not holy, then we would not really need Jesus to have died on the cross and the gospel would no longer be gloriously good news. This is why the old covenant involved so much blood. It made people realize how serious the problem of sin was. So because of the seriousness of our sin and its repercussions, we require a sacrifice of blood and death to bring us into the holiness of our Father. And this is where the author of Hebrews starts to bring Jesus and the new covenant into the picture and how Jesus fulfilled the need for this sacrifice. So the old covenant highlights how sinful the Israelites were and how serious that sin was. But Christ was sinless, he was righteous, he was free of sin. So he was the perfect substitute for us. And Jesus is also the perfect substitute for us because he can represent us being fully human and fully God. So the animal sacrifices could only represent us so far because they were animals and we were humans. But Jesus was fully human and fully God so he could be that perfect substitute and perfect representation. And then Christ is ultimately the better sacrifice because he died in our place and he spilled his blood so that we could have new life. So through Christ's sacrificial blood, putting an end to the power of sin, we now have access to eternal salvation, or another way to describe it is deliverance from the eternal consequences of our sin and God's judgment. Even though Christ sacrificed himself once and for all, for some reason we don't trust that it is good enough and we continue to have our own ways of diminishing our sin and attempting to earn our way to God. So maybe you... I've been in both of these places in different times of my life. Maybe you ignore sin and you kind of blur it and you diminish how serious your sin is or you go to the other side and you tend towards legalism and you follow all the rules and do everything you need to do so that you are in good favor with God. Regardless if we're offering blood sacrifices, which we're not anymore, hopefully, um, or diminishing sin in our own way and what that looks like in our culture, Jesus is the only true answer to being free from the need to prove ourselves to God. So we have the old covenant, Jesus fulfilled that in the new covenant, and now what do we have access to through Jesus and through the new covenant? We are to actively live in the freedom that Jesus has given us and eagerly await eternity with our Father. And I think eternity can be something, for, something hard for us to comprehend but I want to talk about some practical ways of how we can step into that. So, but sorry, before we get there, sorry, I'm getting ahead. Eternity is, is special, but we got, got to back up a little bit. Um, 
So what we have access to because of the new covenant. First is we're free from the power of sin. Um, maybe you have a difficult time with anger and like the tiniest thing can set you off um, at any time. Or maybe you are caught in lies and you have to use more lies to cover up those lies and it's a, it's a cycle. Or maybe you're caught in addiction or maybe um, there's generational sin in your family and you see that playing out in your life. Because of Jesus and the new covenant, we are free from the power of that sin holding us and holding us down and holding us in that place. So that's the first thing. We are free from the power of sin. Secondly, we are free of the consequences of our sin. And not necessarily the earthly consequences, but we are free of the eternal consequences, meaning punishment from God, judgment from God into eternity. Um, And I think a lot of times that plays out practically in our lives as guilt or shame and our sin yeah, we'll continue to hold us in a place because guilt and shame is so heavy on us and we feel like we can't bear that weight and we can't break through that. But because of Jesus' better sacrifice, we are free of the, cons- the eternal consequences of our sin. And then lastly, we have access to eternity with our Father. And like I was saying, eternity can be difficult to comprehend or to picture what that looks like. But thankfully, when Jesus came and sacrificed himself, he started the kingdom of God, and that is something that we can actively participate in now. And so that might look like stepping into um, acts of mercy and justice, like we're talking about in life groups right now. That could look like you having a better understanding of forgiveness in your life because Jesus offered a way for you to be forgiven, and now you can offer that to other people. That's stepping into the kingdom that God has created and that Jesus has started. Or maybe you, um, maybe you have a relationship in your life that... Um, There needs to be reconciliation. You have been reconciled because of Jesus' better sacrifice, and now you can offer that to someone else. So we are free of the power of sin, we are free of the consequences of our sin, and we have access to eternity with our Father, and we can step more freely into the kingdom of God and participating in that. Um, So a practical example of how all all three things, all three of these things have played out in my life. Um, I struggled with lust um, as a teenager and in college I started watching porn and got addicted to porn and I didn't really, I didn't necessarily think it was that serious and I diminished that sin and the effect that it had on my life and um, because I diminished that I didn't really deal with it before going into our marriage. Michaela knew that I had struggled with it but yeah, I just, I wasn't fully honest with myself um, of how strong of a hold that had on my life. And as, um, as we went a few years into our marriage, that was something that I was having a harder and harder time with, and I just felt like the guilt and shame was weighing me down so hard. Um, and I just got to a point where I was done with it, and like I was ready to confess, and I was really scared, because I think we're, we're scared of the consequences of that, but I knew that, like I was physically having a hard time breathing sometimes just because that guilt and shame was weighing down on me so much. And there was a point where, um, there was one night where I couldn't sleep and I knew that that was when I had to confess to Michaela. And I woke her up in the middle of the night and I told her everything. And um, obviously she had a hard time with it, but the thing that she said to me was that she forgives me because God had forgiven her. Shoot. and that's the only thing that she could offer me was because God had forgiven her, and so she can forgive me. And I just remember crying like I am right now um, in bed, like for minutes, which is a long time for me. Um, 
mostly out of frustration that I couldn't, like that Michaela was forgiving me. I couldn't earn or prove anything to her and that was really frustrating to me because I'm so used to having to do that. Um, yeah, so in that moment, I think that's when, that's when God revealed this to me. Like, you are now free of the power of sin. That thing is not holding you anymore. You are, those chains are broken. You're free of the eternal consequences of that sin. You're, you're sin. you're free of the weight of guilt and shame. And I'm not just free of those things for one moment or for a week or for a month. I'm free of those things into eternity. And I can step into the presence of my Father because Jesus is a better sacrifice. Um, ben, you can go ahead and come up. So your sin might not look exactly like mine. It might look different. But without Jesus, we are all separated from God. We cheapen the power of Christ's blood, and we think that our own work is worth enough. We unintentionally and intentionally ignore the fact that Jesus' blood was required for our salvation to be purchased once and for all. The beauty of all of this is that it doesn't just end there. We are now invited into an eternal kingdom where we can live intimately with the exact father that we wronged, needing saving from in the first place. So maybe this morning you need to experience freedom from the power of sin like I, like I did. Or maybe you need um, to experience the weight of the consequent, eternal consequences of your sin. Maybe you need to feel freedom from that. Or maybe you need to feel the freedom to step more into the kingdom of God and to actively participate that as we await eternity with our Father. Um, regardless of what you need this morning, we all get to spend eternity with a Savior that loves us so much that he wants to be with us even when we are at our worst. He loves us so much that he sacrificed his body in place of ours and he spilled his blood in place of ours so that we could live forever in the presence of our eternal Father. Uh, let me close us in prayer. God, I thank you so much for Jesus and that you gave him as the better sacrifice for us. I thank you how that has played out in my life, and I thank you so much for how that has played out in many people's lives in our community. We pray that we wouldn't cheapen your sacrifice, we wouldn't diminish our sin, we wouldn't think that we are as holy as you are. We pray that we would be reminded that we need you and that the consequence for our sin is death and blood, but Jesus was that better sacrifice, and we can live eternally with you because of that. Thank you, Mitch. One of the massive differences between shame and guilt and the conviction of the Spirit of God um, is that shame and guilt is a cul-de-sac. It leads nowhere. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon you, which is what Mitch experienced that evening, um, is a door to freedom. It's an incredibly difficult door because there are consequences. Consequences in terms of opening yourself to your partner, wondering how she's going to respond. Mitch didn't mention this, but there, there were consequences even in terms of our relationship, in terms of what that means to be able to trust again. But there's such a great freedom because he doesn't have to prove himself. And the reason he could step into that freedom is because he is assured and on the other side of that repentance are the open arms of Jesus saying, this is why I gave you that access.
This is why the new covenant is better than the old covenant. This is why I'm inviting you to be honest with yourself and honest with me. And so before we respond in song, I just want us to spend some time in silence. I want you to ask the Spirit of God, are there areas in my life that I'm pretending are not so bad? And actually, I'm getting a little trapped in those areas. Or are there areas in my life where I'm weighed down by massive shame and guilt, but it doesn't change the way I operate? I just hate myself and just continue in the same patterns. None of that is what Jesus offers. Jesus offers freedom from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. Jesus also offers a community to walk alongside you to be able to stand with you as you take those faltering steps. So I just, I want to invite you to just close your eyes. Just invite the Spirit of God and say, Father, is there freedom for me this morning? Father, I want to thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. I want to thank you that he came to take away the sin of the world. And I want to thank you that sin is not just an offense to a holy God, but sin also damages and wounds us. I want to thank you that your desire for us to be free is not just because there is a debt that needs to be paid, but your desire for us to be free is that we walk in joy and freedom and light. And I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, I pray that as we, as we respond in song, as we allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts, that we would do so with bold confidence. Confidence not in our own ability, Confidence not in the fact that we haven't done anything wrong, but confidence in that you shed your blood and said it is finished. That we have full and complete forgiveness for those of us that walk with you, Jesus. the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness of sin Jesus didn't just perform a sacrifice as a high priest he became the perfect sacrifice he is our perfect risen king 
He is our friend. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Tony came to me this morning after praying. He said, I feel like there's people here that for the first time need to recognize the bridge that Jesus has become. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There are people here that can step onto that bridge with confidence knowing that they can step into a new future. But there are also people here that have walked with Jesus that need a fresh fresh sense of freedom. I want to invite us to go to the table to pick up the elements that represent that blood shed once for all, that body broken for us, bring it back to our seats and I'll lead us in communion. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.